The following podcast contains language that some people describe as unsavory, but the first definition of savory is belonging to the category that is salty or spicy rather than sweet. So I guess we use unsavory language because it's so damn savory. Welcome to episode 314 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Today on the show, we talked about a lot of things, a bunch of personal statements, which you have coined the personal statement torture chamber. (laughs) Because there was some, there was some good today. I, I, I thought Wendy's personal statement was, uh, it wasn't perfect, but I thought it was great. I, I really, I just can't imagine not admitting her to law school based on that personal statement. Like, is it boring? Yes. Are lawyers boring? Yes. Would I admit her? A thousand percent. I yeah. I think it's an example of a fairly straightforward, boring, but good personal statement. And I do think, uh, hey, we could be wrong, but we read, how we, well, we don't read literally thousands of these. The law schools do. We read hundreds of them. And the ones that stand out the most, I feel like are the ones that we would like deny. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're basically wanting to admit you and you need to just not, you need to not get all crazy with your personal statement, I think. Anyway, yep. we did some good ones, but there was a bunch of LSAT content before that. Yeah, we yeah we talked about some concerns that people have about the quote LSAT definition of some words and how that's silly. We also talked about um, conclusions, finding conclusions. Well, hunting things. down keywords in arguments yeah. and like these kinds of gimmicky shortcuts that people try to take. Yep. Yeah. Um, we had a pearls versus turd candidate, which was about personal statements. We also then went into a logical reasoning question. It was a reasoning question, it turns out, in which case you have to defend your answers as if you were in court and explain why they would be true. Um, yep. Or why and then we did the a whole shit ton of more personal statements. Yep. This will air on Monday, September 6th. Happy Labor Day, by the way. Um, the November LSAT registration deadline is September 29th. That's on a Wednesday. Uh, So the end of September is when you have to decide whether you're going to take the November LSAT. The October LSAT is the second week of October, October 9th. And the November LSAT is the middle of November, November 13th. Hey, um, we also need to talk about a PSA. Uh, by the way, if you want like faster, uh, more timely news updates, you should definitely subscribe to our other podcast, which is called LSAT Demon Daily. Um, this will come out on the daily before this uh, episode of Thinking LSAT is released. But um, there is a, an interesting, uh, your students probably told you about this, Ben. Um, are you familiar with the LSAC's offer of refunds for October registrants who are happy with their August score. No, it's a whole thing. If you want to hear more about it, you can go to LSAT demon daily, uh, wherever you find your podcasts and you we're going to have a whole episode about this, but I'll give you the short of it. Apparently a whole bunch of people like protested to the LSAC and said, Hey, it's not fair that we had to register for the October test before our August scores were out. Hmm. And LSAC actually said, oh, okay, we're going to note that in your file. And when your score comes out, if you decide you want to cancel October, we're going to give you your money back. 
That's interesting. So did they do that for everybody or only the people who protested? Apparently, and this is them being them, but apparently, you, or at least this was what the initial news was, and I haven't heard anything different since, since my students were telling me about it, but apparently, you have to call LSAC and they'll note it on your file. And then when your score comes out, oh they'll be God. ready to give you the refund. They really like make their own life difficult. Yeah, it does seem like they're just causing themselves customer service hassles with this policy choice. But that's that's I didn't I didn't invent the news. I mean, that's what my students told me. And there's a whole Reddit thread about it. We can link to it in the show notes and you can hear more about it on LSAT Demon Daily, our other podcast. But it's it's nice. I mean, it's nothing but good news for the students. Uh, if you are registered for October and if you did take the August LSAT and if you did knock it out of the park, like we hope you did and you decide to just quit, you might be able to get 200 bucks back from LSAC. So, um, yeah, you're going to, but do, you know, make sure you jump through whatever hoops they've decided to establish so that you can get the refund. Yeah. Also, if you have not heard about it yet, it's time you do. Um, every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, Nathan has a study group. The only thing you need is a demon free account. And then you can join Nathan and let him yell at you until you get the right score you need to apply to law school. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the LSAT and <laughs> the law school admissions process. Oh, you're yelling at them. They need to either get the right score or get the <laughs> fuck out of this profession. Cause okay. that's. That's a, that's a, you want to be happy. That's how you be happy. You kick ass here, or you go kick ass somewhere else. Yeah, we do want um, we do want people who are gonna really win in this game. Um, we're we're very proud of the fact that we have not one, not two, but three former students at least that we know about that are mm-hmm. starting Yale this year. We have three Yale one Ls this year. Wow. <laughs> and we want more of those. We want yeah. we we want to be creating future like real big time. You know, like we want to create law firm founding partners, uh, you know, senators and uh, law professors and Supreme Court justices. Like that's what we're going for, right? Like we want we we really want to help you be your very best self. Yep. And uh, part of that you know, it just starts with, boy, you got to kill the LSAT and you got to kill the law school admissions game. You got to hopefully get into a really great school with a full scholarship. Um, that's the stuff that, you know, we feel like we're actually helping if, if we can make that kind of stuff happen for you. That's the wins we're looking for. But anyway, yeah, come to my study group and I'll yell yep. at you about it. Cool. On to the show. All right. So excuse of the week. Have we done this uh, segment of the show in a while? It's been a it's been a while. Um, we need listeners to submit them. Uh, email help at thinkinglsat.com or find us on social at thinkinglsat and uh, suggest a an excuse of the week. This is where we take an you know just something that we heard from oh one of our students or maybe you know like your study partner or you if you hear people whining on Reddit about whatever. Uh, yeah. send it in help at thinking com, and we'll, we'll discuss it on the show. So what's, what's this week's excuse of the week says I came across this while answering ask button requests. Oh, it sounds like someone on the demon team found cool. this one. A student got a question wrong because they didn't know the quote LSAT 
definition of the word sample. Hmm. Okay, there really aren't any LSAT definitions of anything. Right. So, let alone the word sample. Right. This wasn't the only instance I've come across people claiming not to know what basic words and phrases mean because they assume this test isn't in English, but rather some made-up LSAT language. I don't know what it is about this test, but it makes people forget the language that they already speak. Um, to, be, <laughs> yeah. to be fair to, to uh, these folks out there who struggle with some words, um, a lot of times the way we use words in everyday speech is a little sloppy. It's not technically accurate, but the LSAT uses them technically accurately. <laughs> Can you say that? And it's a great way to learn the English language. That's how the word should be used. That's what the word means. If you want to be a lawyer and you want to communicate clearly and accurately and not have misunderstandings, then start using the words the way they were intended. Yeah, it's a literal test. Um, having a good vocabulary definitely helps you. It is wrong, definitely, to, to think that there are special definitions, though. Because, yeah, you're, yep. you're right. It's just, no, it's pretty much the dictionary definition. I guess sometimes it uses, like, the second dictionary definition. But we shouldn't presume that any word means something different on the LSAT than it means in real life. Yeah. Not only that, but, I mean, I still encounter words that I don't know. On the I, test? Yeah. I, like I have a pretty good vocabulary. I've, I, I, I like graduated from law school. I mean, I've, I'm a, I've got, I've got a good <laughs> vocabulary, but I still, I come across words in reading comp passages or logical reasoning passages all the time I, where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that means, but I can get it from context or I can figure it out. I can, I can come close to kind of knowing what it means. And, yeah. um, frequently that's going to be enough. Agreed. Just last night I was uh, teaching a class on logical reasoning and the one of the answers used the word many and I just had to ask, what does this mean to you all? And a bunch of people said most or more than half. It's like, no, doesn't mean that. Just means a lot. Whatever and it, that it, is. I mean, but that's, and that's, it's also like, I guess that is a sort of technicality that you need to be familiar with, but it's not in real life. Many does not mean most. It does not. Yeah. It does not mean more than half. Like, it certainly doesn't because, yeah. you know, you could take like, imagine any, um, okay, but kind of bad sports team. Like yep. imagine the, um, I don't know the, uh, pull a team here that I think is below 500, Oh, the Colorado Rockies this year. I think yep. the Colorado Rockies are a good, but I mean, they're like an okay, but not, they're like in fourth place out of five in the, in okay. L West. Yep. Pretty sure the Colorado Rockies, wait, maybe they're in fourth place out of four. Eh, anyway, there's three <laughs> good teams in the NL West and the Rockies okay. aren't one of those. Right. But mm -hmm. the Rockies have won many games. They've won many. Yep. They have. They have won many games. I mean, they've won like probably 50 games, but they've lost like 70 games. So many just means some and they've lost. They've won many and they've lost many, mm -hmm. um, but they haven't won most because most <laughs> means more than half. 
But yeah. uh, it, there's like, how many of those things even are there, Ben? There's like two of them on the entire LSAT that you really need to know, right? You need to know that some means one or more. Yep. Most means more than half. Which isn't that hard. And it's consistent with everyday like use of that term. When you hear many and you think it means most, you're just misunderstanding what's being said. Yeah, which is a problem for somebody who's going to be a professional reader and writer as a lawyer. Yeah. If you have an excuse of the week, email help at thinkinglsat.com or hit us up on social at thinkinglsat. We want to know what's going on in your head. You know that the brain is great at coming up with excuses. So send them our way. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, I think maybe the, the where that comes from, I think it might come from like whatever overly technical LSAT book you've, you started with. Like sure. the, the lot of the books and a lot of the classes out there do a real bad, like they, it's like they're trying to make it seem as complicated as they can. Mm, it's almost and, like a, it's like a religion, right? I was just thinking about, remember back in the day, like the priests would read the Bible and they wouldn't let other people read the Bible. Ooh. And they're like, no, no, no. You got to listen to what I have to say about this. Yeah. And do what I say. Well, it's kind of like that. <laughs> a lot of the LSAT classes, I think they start with like, wait, you were going to do it. What? Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Don't do anything that you were naturally intuitively going to do. No, yeah. no, no. On the logical reasoning, you have to read the question first so that you mm -hmm. can figure out what if this is a sufficient assumption question, you really need to know. It's like, oh, my God. OK, well, <laughs> you, that person might have been about to get the question right without any of your bullshit. You don't even know because yep. you didn't let them do the question. And instead, you just like interrupted their process right off the bat and said, you have to do it this super secret special way. And, you know, then then I think that's what gets these students in their head so much where they're just like, oh, what does. OK, well, well, then what does sample mean? Yep. And it's like, well, it means what you probably naturally would have thought it meant. But you've got I don't know, you're getting in your own way because of all these stupid like over technical strategies you have learned. Dogma. Yeah. OK, moving on. Yeah, so this is a question that came through the ask button. So if you have ever used the daemon, you'll know that there's an ask button pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we were creating that, by the way, the developers like, um, you realize this is going to create a lot of questions. Like the more places you put the ask button, the more questions you're going to get. And a lot of companies kind of go in the other direction. They try to minimize access to <laughs> right. help. We dare you to find our customer service <laughs> phone number or our customer service email. You cannot yeah. penetrate our website that far. Yeah, we did the opposite, I guess. Yeah, well, I was surprised when the devs were saying that because I was like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, we want people to ask questions. We want you to ask good questions. They should be as specific and thoughtful as possible. Huh. But push yourself forward, right? I've never like made that connection before. I, I like, I brag about the ask button all the time. I, I always tell my classes like, Hey, if you're not happy with how I just explained that you can hit the ask button and there's a whole team of tutors who are going to get back to you very promptly, by the way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've always, I, I, I think the ask button is like a killer feature of the LSAT demon for sure. But I've never connected it stupidly. I mean, what do I say in my classes all the time? 
your like number one responsibility is to ask questions. Like you have to tell me what you don't understand because that's how I will be able to help you understand. And that's what the ask button is. It's like, we've got it on every page. Like, oh yeah, you're working hard. Great. Tried your best. Great. Still confused. Okay. All you have to do now is write a thoughtful question and then we've got a whole team to help you sort it out. So that's, um, yeah, it's totally aligned with what I think students need to do. Yeah, totally. So D sent this question in. Do you want to read it? Sure. It says, I missed the conclusion. I thought that the conclusion was the last part of the last sentence. And then we have a quote here and D bolded and put in title or caps case. Thus, it says, thus these animals thrive in harsh environments. That's the quote. Um, I didn't realize that the correct conclusion was something else. Um, the quote here is, this is probably a result of the harshness of the environment. Question. When the author says probably, does that mean that it's his that it's her opinion or conclusion. Can I rely on that word to identify the conclusion? Whoa. There's a, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> um, first, D is assuming that because this last sentence started with the word thus, it had to be the conclusion or the main conclusion. We do know it's a conclusion, but that word thus doesn't make it the main conclusion. And then this weird idea that a word like probably, which all it does is soften the strength of whatever you're saying. Like if you said this is a result of the harshness of the environment, that would be a strong claim. But if you say this is probably a result of the harshness of the environment, then you're softening that claim a little bit. Any claim can be softened. Your opinion, the opinion of others, your premises, your conclusions. So no, please don't look to these words so robotically to decide whether something is the main conclusion. You can't do that for either of these words. And this second word probably just has no connection to what part of the argument the sentence is. Well, I might, I might slightly disagree. I, I, okay. I, I just think that we don't have the whole argument in front of us. Sure. But to figure out what the conclusion is, you do have to consider the entire statement, not just one small piece of it. Yeah. And when I'm thinking about, you know, what is the purpose of this statement? Why did they come here to, what are they selling? Like, what do they want? What's their evidence yep. and what do they want? Sometimes a word like probably they, it does like invite skepticism. It, like I, I read that and I go, Oh really? You think it's probably because of that, huh? What's your evidence for that? Why do you think that? So I, I wouldn't, I certainly agree with you that I would not be robotic about looking for keywords, but I, I, I do sometimes think that when I, there are phrases or or individual words that they use that that like kind of tip their hand that they don't have the actual evidence for that. 
Mm-hmm. And so that probably there it might be a thing that I would I would catch and I would go, oh, really? That sounds a little sketchy. Are you sure that you know that for sure? But then I would have to look at all of the other sentences and I'd have to see like, okay, do they are they attempting to present evidence in support of that claim? Yeah, I guess I just, you know, I feel like I see probably in just as many premises as conclusions. So I, I don't know that I even want to talk about it as a word in that way. Well, you know? I, hey, we just don't do the keyword thing, right? I mean, yeah. like, and it's, um, God, there, there's the bad LSAT instruction out there. I shouldn't keep bitching about it, but it's just, it's such a tragedy because, you know, this student sounds like somebody who read the question first went into the statement like it turned it was a main conclusion question right yep they read the question first oh all i'm doing is looking for the main conclusion scan the statement see the word thus pick that answer which they definitely a thousand percent put there to trap people who are doing that that way (laughs) they do not want to reward you for not reading all of the words in the statement. Yeah, no, no, please, for <laughs> for s- your own sanity, don't walk away from this discussion thinking that if something starts with the word thus, it can't be the main conclusion. It certainly could be. But as you're saying, Nathan, this is this is such a common trap where they put this sentence last, they start it with thus, so it's a conclusion for something, but it's not the main conclusion of the argument because it turns around and is probably being used as evidence for something that came earlier in the argument. So they're, they're really playing off of two mis- misconceptions. One, that the main conclusion has to come last, which it does not. It could come anywhere. And two, that the word thus has to be introducing the main conclusion. We believe that the LSAT is easy. I mean, I just, I, the LSAT is easy. But it's not so easy that you get to cut off like 90% of the effort, right? It's like if, yeah. if you're doing something that feels like a shortcut that is so much of a shortcut that it feels ridiculously unfair, like, you know, Mario Kart, when you could just drive off the side of the track and then dr- magically land on the other, like the finish line sometimes. Yeah. Um, that those types of shortcuts are not available on the LSAT or they might be sometimes like if this was a super, super easy question, you know, it might be as simple as, oh, they're asking me for the main conclusion, scan, keyword, thus, boom, that's the answer. Yeah, that'll happen sometimes. Yeah. And then when it does happen, people feel like, oh, I get this. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like that's what's in the Kaplan books, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, or Princeton Review or whatever, like the absolute worst prep there is. Barons. <laughs> yeah, Barons, LSAT for dummies or whatever. I mean, there's like so many real bad, like terribly bad LSAT prep books out there or classes out there. But I feel like those are the examples that they would highlight where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're a 135 trying to get to 142 with our shitty seven point guarantee or whatever. Oh yeah, we can get you there. One point guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) We can get you there because like, just take these ultra gimmicky, just 
totally like separated from actual comprehension of the test. Oh, you don't need to read all that. Oh, you don't need to, oh no, reading comp, you don't have time to read the actual passage. You just want to skim the questions and then find the answers like that type of bullshit that, okay, I, I, fine. It might help people get to 148, but it ain't helping people get to 168 because for every one of those shortcuts that you take and it's successful, there's mm-hmm. going to be another question where you try to take that same shortcut and they're like, sorry, sucker, you didn't read the actual passage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you went keyword hunting and we trapped you there because thus does indicate a conclusion, but it does not necessarily have to indicate the main conclusion. And so we got you on that one because we saw what kinds of shortcuts you were trying to take and we penalized you for it. Yep. And they're running circles around you. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, if your goal is 148, you're, I, we're probably not the prep for you. No. Nope. I, nope. I, we're just, I, that's I, just I, like you've I, said a million times, that's teeing someone up to fail. Right? I think really. the same about 158. Yeah. I, like if you, if you're going to, if you're going to reach 158 and think that's good and go to law school, I don't think you probably want to study with me or Ben. Because we just think we would be doing you a disservice. Like we, we think we get you to 158 and then you go get totally ripped off by law school. And, and uh, so everything we talk about is always re- related to really understanding. Like actual, you're going to have to actually master it. You're going to have to actually read it. You're going to have to actually understand it. Because Which, but, yeah. that's what it takes to get to 168 and 178. And that's where we really want to take you. Well, when you really understand it, you're not going to get cornered or trapped because you see the lay of the land. The other thing is it just makes you so much more ready for law school and then whatever comes after that. Like if you can really own and understand the test, then that's a sign <laughs> that you can really own and understand all the garbage they're going to throw at you in law school. Well, and it's a, it's a zero sum, like really competitive game. I mean, if you max out at 158 and call that good, when you get into legal practice, you're going to be going head to head with the 168s and the 178s. And those are the people who read every word and really understand it. It's not that hard, by the way. I mean, it, it actually is easy. But you do need to read it. You need to, you need to read the whole thing and consider the totality of what they've presented to you and then answer the damn question instead of constantly looking for these shortcuts. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Thank you, D, for writing in via our ask button. So now we're jumping into pearls versus turds. This is where we take some of that shitty advice that's out there. Well, it's not always shitty, but usually and decide whether it is good or bad. Uh, The scoreboard right now is we've seen 15 pearls, 52 turds, and 24 ties. Um, This one came from Crystal. It says, not sure if you guys have done this one yet, but I received this from Princeton Review in regards to personal statements. Okay, well, that's fitting. It's personal statement season. It says, most law schools do not grant interviews to candidates, so think of your personal statement as an interview substitute. When applicants have similar test scores, grades, transcripts, your statement could make a difference in gaining acceptance over another applicant. Here are some guidelines to keep in mind when crafting your personal statement. Nothing objectionable Um, so far, I would say. No. Yeah, I would agree with all of this. Um, How to write your personal statement. 
Bullet point number one. Find a unique angle. Mm. I'm scared of what that's going to invite. Yeah. <laughs> now people are going to go digging deep for random shit. Well, Give for the- one thing, don't use the word unique. I mean, nope. so the fact that they're using it in their tip already has me leaning turd because well yeah well they they have thousands of applicants like you're you're unique only in the most trivial sense which is everybody's unique (laughs) you know like it means nothing yeah If, if you think your story is unique well you haven't read thousands of other stories with people who are trying to do the exact same thing in their life that you are Give the admissions officers genuine insight into who you are without cliches or platitudes. That's good. Okay. I don't think it has anything to do with find a unique angle. No. But. It, well, it's odd because I can't disagree with it, but I can't disagree with it in part because it's a platitude, right? It like, itself is a platitude, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. like so general. A successful personal statement shows you shows who you are in a unique an authentic way. Okay, there's that's problematic. What has shaped you? How have you grown through your experiences? What sets you apart? Oh man, I I don't like any of this. I feel like it's going to what has shaped you? That's going to invite people to share origin stories, go back too far in their history. How have you grown through your experiences? That's going to invite people to talk about their mental states, what they've learned what they now realize, what sets you apart. Again, that's going to invite people to draw conclusions. Yeah. All these things violate commandments we've given on this topic. Well, the irony is this is what every shitty personal statement tries to do. They all have this tone that like they think they are unique they're trying to like they're trying to portray themselves as having these special experiences that uniquely qualify them but that's what's ridiculous is that these schools admit thousands of students every year right i mean hundreds per school thousands or tens of thousands by the when we count up all of the you know matriculants every year yeah. There are thousands of 1Ls, tens of thousands of 1Ls every year. Yep. Ain't no unique in that. I mean, sure, there are a few of them who have like really special, like super cool stories. Yeah. But most of them don't. Most of them are all exactly the same. So, you know, everybody trying to portray themselves as some special, you know, I'm the special one. I'm standing out. It's like they don't. They don't expect, how could they expect that? They've like, you know, Hastings or whatever. I wrote about this the other day. Hastings is going to admit, they have to admit nine times as many people as are actually going to start their program. Nine times? Nine times. Yeah. Because, because of the, of however many they admit only, um, wait, what was it again? Oh, no, sorry. Uh, sorry. Sorry. It's nine, t- nine times as many applicants as actually end up going to their school. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so here's so how it works. The, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's two one third cuts. So here's how it works. They get, let's say, 
4,500 applications. Sure. Of those, they will admit 1,500 mm -hmm. because of those 1,500 that they've admitted, only 500 of them are going to actually accept back. So they have a yield of 33%. Something like that. This is all rough numbers. It's, but sure. it's, this is to a rough approximation. This is roughly correct that they're going to admit about a third of the applications. And then of those only one third of them are going to actually say, ah, okay, I mean it like two thirds of them are going to be like, psych. No, I got into somewhere better. I'm going to some other school. Yeah. But the point is that they've, they've, they are getting thousands of applications. They're going to admit thousands of students to get a yield of hundreds. And they're going to do that every damn year. Yeah. So what, there's no unique in that. It's a giant pile of applicants. It's a, it's like, I'm sure that those classes look, by the way, exactly the same from year to year to year. Yeah. Imagine the class photo. There's no way you could tell the difference between the class photo from 2020 between the class photo of 2021. They're going to look exactly the same. And so what unique, I, oh, every single one of those applicants was a special unique. No, maybe two of them. Anyway. Sorry, I, I, I started thinking about yields just to give people some comparisons. Yeah. Yale is number one. Um, it has an 81% yield rate. Yeah. So 81% of the applicants who get accepted to Yale go to Yale. Okay. That's a lot better than 33%. Yeah. Yeah. That's also the top school. So That's the number one school. I mean, that's they are unique in that they are perpetually ranked first. Yeah. So if Hastings is uh, roughly 33%, it's better than average. The average yield rate is 24%, supposedly, and um, it's 54% among the top 10 schools. So anyways, just some numbers for people to consider. But yeah, cool. The next one, write clearly. <laughs> okay. Yes. Good law students and good lawyers use clear, direct prose. Okay. Write yeah, so far so good, right? General too, but yep. write skillfully removing extraneous words. Agreed. A great personal statement leaves no room for ambiguity and does not make an admissions officer struggle to understand what the essay is trying to convey. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with any of this. It's a little vague. It doesn't tell people what to write about, but I agree. Yep. Third bullet point, get plenty of feedback. The more time you spend writing your personal statement, the less likely you are to spot errors. Hmm. I don't know about that. Get feedback from several sources. Be open to constructive feedback, but stay true to your tone, style, and personal story. Okay, this now is for sure a turd. This just, it just lost. I'm, I'm changing, I'm updating the scoreboard. Yes, thank you. I mean, my... My big problem with that is like, it's, it's kind of like get feedback, but don't actually take any of it. We, we see this problem all the time, right? People are like, but, 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 but can I, but can I do this? And it's like, I, no, we're not saying this for kicks and giggles. Yeah, do you, you want our advice or not? I mean, like if you're, 
if you're asking us for help and we tell you this sucks and you're like, yeah, but I'm going to keep it anyway. Okay, well, <laughs> then fine. Why would you ask us in the first place? Yeah, well, they believe in that unique angle, right? They believe they are the exception to the rule and now they can start doing whatever. That's bad advocacy on your own behalf, right? Like you're, if you really do see yourself as some special snowflake, well, you're not, you're not being realistic. You're just, mm -hmm. it's wishful thinking. You, you think that you have some magical shit that these other thousands of applicants don't have. That's just, it can't possibly be true. No. So you win by doing well at things that a lot of people have, but you show yourself doing well in them. Yeah. I, I just recently, in fact, we have it later on the agenda. Um, there's a personal statement from one of our demon students who, uh, has been with us for a while and working really hard and she seems like a great applicant, Yep. but she like emailed me in a panic saying, Oh, I, I, I followed all your advice and I can't wait for you to read this on the show, but I'm having a panic attack because I showed this to one of my lawyer friends and they said that I absolutely can't write it this way. And I need to go back to doing all the stuff that I would have done before I ever followed your guys's advice. And, um, I, I guess I, I'm just worried about this idea that you're going to get feedback from several sources when those sources don't necessarily know anything about this game, including yeah. your lawyer friend, you know, like your lawyer friend who went to law school 15 years ago, wrote one personal statement, probably never read any other personal statements, got into law school and then used that as justification for the conclusion that <laughs> This is the only way to do it yeah. without realizing that probably everybody else did the same shitty thing and they got into law school despite their personal statement, not because of their personal statement. Yeah. Anyway. I'll just uh, give them the last word. It says, in short, give yourself enough time to develop your unique narrative. Again? <laughs> They've said unique three times. Jeez Louise. Edit it to make... Edit it to make it clear and compelling, okay, just a platitude, and have friends proofread your essay to ensure it is structurally sound and grammatically accurate. That's another weird thing. Like, I, I can't imagine relying on your friends for grammar advice. It's also, like, what do you mean structurally sound? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> what do you, it doesn't need a structure. I think I'm going to write about this this week, or I'm going to try to write about this this week. I don't think personal statements need an ending. I don't think they need a beginning and I don't think they need an ending. So this idea that you have to be structurally sound, you know, Ben, how we almost always end up telling people, Hey, cut your first paragraph. And we also almost always end up telling people, Hey, cut your last paragraph. Yeah. I think that's because of people trying to be structurally sound. Yeah. They're trying to write an introduction and a conclusion and a body but they're forgetting that the document is only a page and a half and they just waste all this space with a bunch of conclusions up front and a bunch of conclusions at the end. Yeah. And I think that that's in the pursuit of being quote structurally sound. Do you think I could pull that off? Write a lesson about like you don't need an ending. Yeah. I, I think it works, especially when the subject matter so obviously connects to law school. I do like a sentence or two at the end when I'm kind of, 
wondering like, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you going to law school? It doesn't make sense given your success in music or something like that. Um, but in all other contexts, like, I mean, if you ever worked in a law firm, if you're writing about any kinds of, I was a paralegal or a legal secretary or whatever it was in a firm that's or, or any government job. Oh, I agree. Any law enforcement job. I agree. I just want that. So I, when you say no ending, I'm like, okay, just, I think there's a enough well, there's enough people who probably should be asking themselves, what, why are you going to law school? <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's and not, then if you, you don't really need are, to sell that so hard in your personal statement. I agree. If you were a comic book artist for yep. 20 years and you're telling me all about this wonderful <laughs> career as a comic book artist, yeah, then probably the reader is scratching their head going, huh, wonder why do you don't just keep doing that. Why law school? And there you might need to make the connection. But when mm-hmm. I read any, like even any um, business thing at all, like I was a corporate, like I have a manager at a rental car or something or other. And, you know, we b- business management, I don't need you to then like really explain it to me why you're wanting to transition into law. Law and business are just like the same. So I don't need that. I, it, I, I feel like what do you, I, 10% of applications? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Might yep. need some sort of a like, hey, why law? Why why does this make sense? But I don't yep. think 90% of, I, I don't, I, I did write about this the other day that they're in the business of selling law school. That's what they do. Literally, your yep. reader is a professional salesperson of law school. So nobody thinks law school is a good idea more than they do. They... They know all of the reasons why everybody should go to law school. They want your application. They want to admit you. They want you to go to their school. That's their job. So they're not like trying to keep people out like, oh, law school is a bad idea for you. <laughs> they don't, they think law school is a great idea yeah. for everybody. So it's like a bringing sand to the beach type of a situation when you're like, like who, why are you rhapsodizing about how great of an idea law school is? No, they, those are seriously problematic. And I definitely think that everybody should, should get rid of that. <laughs> and uh, even when people do make this connection, they need to do it much shorter than they do. They, they tend to like say too much and then yeah. the connection looks weird. It's just like, okay, can, can you, can you help me see the connection between music and law school in a sentence or two. Oh, okay, I get it. Now your story makes sense. I see why you're telling it to me. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm not even going to read this last paragraph, by the way. They use the word unique again. Oh my so God. We're done with this. If you have a Pearl versus Turd candidate, email help at thinkinglsat.com or again, find us on social at thinkinglsat. We would love to hear from you. All right. Now we have a logical reasoning question. Um, yep. This is from test 73. Section two, question 14. Um, I feel like it's my turn to read this. So okay. I will read it and let you opine. Okay. Inez, is that how you'd say that? Sure. Yes, Inez. Inez. 
Space exploration programs pay for themselves many times over. Since such programs result in technological advances with everyday practical applications. Okay. Um, sounds, you know, potentially bogus, but if Finez means that as a premise of her argument, I would probably just allow that and let her go. I'm, well, the sense there is a like a logical operator, right? So yep. maybe the first part of that is a conclusion and the second part of that is evidence. So maybe what she's saying is a premise, uh, space exploration programs result in technological advances, advances with everyday practical applications. Therefore, these programs pay for themselves many times over. Um, but I, I have a feeling that that whole thing is just evidence. So I, I would keep listening instead of like really going into attack mode on that conclusion. Sure. There's definitely a part of me that's like, yeah, but who should be paying for those benefits? Like the space department or just private industry. Mm, interesting. Like there's, okay. Those things are kind of in the back of my head, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, where are you going with this? Right. She continues space exploration is more than the search for knowledge for its own sake. Investment in space exploration is such a productive investment in developing widely useful technology that we can't afford not to invest in space exploration. All right. Well, okay. So that now it's like she's, she's, it's a little heavy handed, which forces me to be skeptical. Um, we can't afford not to invest in space exploration. And now I, now I like have to say, Hey, hold on a second. Sending people to the moon or whatever. That costs so much money. I get it that like we invented Velcro and we invented um, Tang <laughs> and some other, you know, like Tang. amazing inventions that we wouldn't have if it wasn't for the space exploration program. Yeah, I get mm -hmm. it. But we have to weigh the benefits against the cost. Right. And like, I don't like Tang that much. I don't know what that would Tang the world is be? <laughs> such a boon to humanity. Yeah. Or freeze dried food. I mean, cool. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, we have another speaker here. What's Winona want to say? Winona says it is absurd to try to justify funding for space exploration exploration merely by pointing out that such programs will lead to technological advances. Keep going. I'm fine. If technology with practical applications is all that is desired, then it should be funded directly. It's kind of hard not to just jump on Winona's side here, you know, like, mm -hmm. because Inez's whole thing does seem to be, it's like, well, when we go to space, we accidentally invent things. And Winona's like, yeah, but what if we just intentionally invented things? Yeah, and you have a problem and you try to go solve that problem. That seems like it's going to be a more efficient means of allocating resources to inventing things than, whoa, well, look at look at what we found. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I think at this point I would like I had an objection to Inez. I read Winona and I go, yeah, that's kind of along the same lines as what I was thinking. I don't think I would put more thought into it before reading the question. Question 14 says Winona responds to Inez by. OK, so it's just a reasoning question. 
Um, what that means is I'm looking for an answer that describes what Winona did. It's a variant of a must be true question or a supported question. Um, it's an evidence-based question where I know in advance that the wrong answers are going to misdescribe Winona's argument. They frequently will misdescribe Winona's argument by saying something different or something extra. So it could just be something that Winona flat didn't do, or it could be something that Winona kind of did, but they turned the volume up too high to just make it like more than what Winona actually did. And that would be a wrong answer. So I'm looking for something that like the correct answer is going to be something that describes something that she did doesn't have to capture her entire statement, but it just has to be something where I feel confident that the record shows Winona for sure did this thing. Okay. Winona responds to Inez by answer choice A, showing that there is no evidence that the outcome Inez anticipates. I wouldn't need to read any more than that. Where did Winona say you don't have evidence for space inventions? Yeah, or you know any evidence. She just didn't Zero. do that. Uh, she, yeah. in, in fact, she seems willing to grant that that the space exploration does result in positive outcomes. She's not arguing with that. She just thinks that yeah. there's a more efficient way to go get those outcomes than like flying to space and discovering them accidentally. Yep. Winona responds to Inez by B, suggesting that Inez has overlooked evidence that directly no. argues against the programs Inez supports. She she doesn't actually I don't think Winona really refers to any evidence at all. Uh, Winona's argument seems to be theoretical. It seems to be mostly just a conclusion, right? Winona basically said, "Hey, that's absurd. If you want those benefits, why don't you just go after those benefits directly?" Yep. She's not just saying counter argument. What yep. about this mission to Mars that actually set us back scientifically or something like that, which seems to be what B is describing. So no. Demonstrating. Okay. Winona responds to Inez by demonstrating that the pieces of evidence that Inez cites contradict each other. No, clearly didn't do that. She just didn't say, Hey, Inez, on the one hand, you've said that X equals two but on the other hand you've said that x equals an odd number those two statements that you presented contradict each other she didn't do that yeah these first three answers seem to really be talking about winona's like thoughts about the evidence it wasn't an attack on the evidence at all she just responded and just said hey what about this d Uh, Winona responds to Inez by providing evidence that the beneficial effects that Inez desires can be achieved only at great expense. I might have only read the first two words of that, to be honest. I, I I really don't think that Winona provided evidence. I And I know that she did not provide evidence that the beneficial effects Inez desires can be achieved only at great expense. 
Yeah, you like where is that? Right? Like you said early on, you need to point to the record and say, well, this is where Winona's doing that. She and doesn't mention expense. She doesn't nope. mention great expense. She doesn't so mention easy. you can only do this with a giant cost. I mean, she could have said that, but she didn't say that. So that's not the answer. I mean, I think what you're illustrating here is that you were willing to get rid of this at providing evidence. You were at least highly skeptical at that point, right? Within mm. two words. And if you weren't sure at that point, by the time you got to the end of this answer choice, it's like, okay, no, no, no. This was never thousand discussed. percent wrong. Yeah. Yeah, this is how people take the test when they understand what's going on. You're, you, you often have more than one reason to get rid of an answer. I, I do think that in real life, if, if there was a secret camera, you know, and I, it'd have to be like a hidden camera where I wasn't thinking about it. You'd have to like mm -hmm. trick me so that I'm not so conscious of my process. But I think that I probably would have read A up to evidence. It would have been like showing that there is no evidence. Mm -hmm. My first mm -hmm. time through, I would have been like, nope. B, suggesting that Inez has overlooked evidence. Nope. C, demonstrating that the pieces of evidence. Nope. D, providing evidence. Nope. I, I think in real life, I would have been like that. I Because I, I want to read all five before I spend too much time with any answer. Right. I expect wrong answers to be wrong. The way I'm going to take all the time in the world to read Inez's statement and to read Winona's statement and to think about it. I'm going to pause. I'm going to read the question and I'm going to pause and I'm going to think about it. But when I get into the answer choices, I'm going to be ruthless because I know that 80% of answers are wrong and I just can't afford to hang out with wrong answers. Right? So I would have to get through all five before I went back and like seriously considered more about what each one of those meant. I, I just, they, I know that they're wrong 80% of the time when the first half of the answer sounds wrong. I'm like, okay, well now it's 95% wrong. What else we got? And I got to read all five before I really, you know, waste a bunch more time. So what's he say? Well, I just want to say one thing about that. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to say, and I agree with all that, it's that when you have that solid understanding of the passage, that gives you the confidence to leave an answer choice at the first sign of problem, right? Like when you don't have yeah. that confidence, you often have to read the whole thing. You don't see multiple problems. You see only one problem, if any. And so all these things get really slowed down. But I mean, that's why we're inviting you to do the test on an entirely different level. Like we want you to master this test. We want you to score in the one seventies. Yeah. And the way we get there is by mastering these arguments and then seriously disrespecting wrong answer choices. Cause we got to keep it moving and we can't let ourselves get trapped and distracted comparing answer choices to one another, right? If you're ever comparing answers to each other, one of them is wrong. And you're just like, you're, you're necessarily thinking about the wrong stuff because you're playing or you're like, it's like playing with fire kind of, right? You're like just messing around with a wrong answer. And yeah. I, I hate that. Like I would, I would rather eliminate all five than have two contenders. E, Winona responds to Inez by claiming that a goal that Inez mentions could be pursued without the programs Inez endorses. Perfect. Easy question. Yep. I mean, it'd uh, be addressed directly. 
That's exactly what Winona does. Winona says, oh, this goal of finding these technological advancements, well, you could do that without going to goddamn space. Why don't you just like do basic research on the ground? You could do that in, an, in another way. And that's exactly what Winona did. And it's easy to pick E and move on. And I, I wouldn't have to go back and, and like think any more about A or B or C or D because I know that there's only one right answer. And I like they felt wrong to me. I, I didn't think that Winona was even talking about the evidence. Um, it would be pretty clear here to pick E and move on. I mean, I think this is an example of one where I might spend 60 seconds with Inez and Winona's statements. And then I would spend like 15 seconds on the answer choices because it would just be like, nope, 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 nope. Oh yeah, perfect. That's exactly what, and I would take a moment, I would take a moment there. Did Winona in fact claim that a goal Inez mentions could be pursued without the programs Inez endorses? Yeah, I feel good about that. I feel I could stand up in court and say, yeah, well, yeah, right here, your honor. That's where it said it. Yep. You can lay it all out. You can say, well, what were the programs that Inez endorses? Well, it was the space program, the space exploration programs. And what was the goal? Oh, well, the goal was getting these practical everyday applications. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, uh, it's not my responsibility to do that for A, B, C, and D. Those are wrong mm -hmm. answers. They mm -hmm. can be wrong for multiple reasons. I have to vouch for E. I have to understand every word of it. I have to, I have to be willing to, to stand up for E. Yeah. But I don't have to like explain to the judge exactly why A, B, C, and D are wrong. It's like, no, your honor, that, that's, those things are not in the record. But E is. That's why I'm willing to go to bat for that one. And that's my answer. And I'd be moving on pretty quickly to the next question without wasting so much time in the wrong answer choices. Novices, of course, do that exactly backwards, right? Novices spend not enough time with the statements, and then they just spend way, way too much time with the answer choices. <laughs> not only during the test, but after the test is over, all this discussion about, but, but I thought B worked because, and it's like, wow. Even now, go back and try to understand the passage and what you think of each person's argument. I, I keep coming back frequently to this. I find myself, I'm, I'm writing, you know, these days I'm writing a lot and I'm writing a lot of uh, explanations still yeah. for logical reasoning. I've been doing a couple a day maybe. And um, one thing that I find myself wanting to write a lot, it's a thing where I like write it out and then I basically just delete it and go on to another point. But one of the things that I, that I frequently think about is Stop picking answers that you don't understand because wrong answers, I mean, you, you can't, you can't possibly have understood it. It doesn't make sense that that answer does not answer the question. So you can't have understood it and picked it incorrectly. Right. It's, it doesn't make sense. So stop picking answers that don't make sense. Like stop picking answers that you don't understand. You have to be able to vouch for the right answer. Mm -hmm. And you just have to stop picking answers that you're not willing to vouch for. You can't, I, I, that it's funny. I, I like, I, 
I keep that out of my written explanations as much as possible because I don't think that it's that helpful to keep saying it. But I do think that students need to kind of like have a bit of a come to Jesus with themselves about it, right? It's like, hey, you, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like what now? You're going to stand up in court and you're going to say that? Because that doesn't make sense. And it, it's supposed to make sense. This ha- it ha- you have to be able to feel that click on the answer that you pick. It has to make perfect sense. Now, the four wrong answers that you don't pick, they don't have to make any sense at all. And they frequently don't make any sense at all. Right? But we do have to decide that we're going to only choose answers that, we, that actually make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's like so obvious and I should just shut up, but I, <laughs> I don't I also work with like hundreds of LSAT students and I know that they have not yet learned that lesson in most cases. So no, I don't um, think it's necessarily obvious. In fact, it could invite people to take our perpetual advice to get the first five questions or first 10 questions yeah. right. Right. You can't get questions wrong if you fully understand and can explain the answer you're choosing. If you can't do that, maybe you need to sit on the passage a little bit longer. Not necessarily the answer, but the passage. Yeah, you have to just be stickier in general. You, you have to like, there's a battle of will going on and you need to win, not lose that battle. You, you've got to decide that you're gonna be the one who understands things. And it, it all makes perfect sense. I mean, that's why people can get 25 out of 25s on the logical reasoning hmm. is because it does actually make sense, but you have to be patient enough to make sense of it and feel that click. And you should, you should, you should just be feeling really good about each answer that you pick because they do make sense once you make sense of them. And I think, yeah, what students do instead is they race the clock. They, you know, they, they know they can't finish the section, but they, they try and they, they do 22 questions and they get 15 of them right. And they think that's good. They're patting themselves on the back, you know, but look, I got number 22, right? And I'm like, yeah. And you made seven mistakes on your way to number 22 and you would have scored higher if you would have only done 15 questions and then guessed on the rest. Yeah, or 10 or five. Like you have to keep, like, (laughs) I think it's this, you said come to Jesus. It's like this letting go, right? I, as you were talking, I know I've given this analogy before, but I was just thinking about the last three weeks, I would say. So I thought I had pretty good form in the gym on a lot of different exercises. I thought, I was like, I got to stick to the form. I get it. You got to, if you cheat just a little bit, the exercise Mm. gets way easier. And, and then just the last three weeks, I was like, no, 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 I'm really going to not move and I'm going to do exactly what I have to do. And I was like, shit, it was hard. So I dropped my weights Yeah, right. and I dropped them again and I dropped them a th- like two and a half weeks in. And I was like, damn, like I'm, am I not making progress <laughs> or am I just, is it like the form is really that much harder? Like you, you lean forward just a little bit, like an inch and now all of a sudden it's way harder. But now that I'm sticking to it, it started to go back up. It's like I had to just keep letting go. I'm like, I'm not really at 60 pounds. I'm actually at 40, 40 pounds. It sounds so low. People who are like, no, I, I, I can do 20 questions. 
It's okay if you are only at five questions, if you're acing them. <laughs> the nice thing, I guess, is that in, um, in the gym, it's probably hard to tell whether you're cheating, right? Mm-hmm. On the LSAT, the test ain't gonna lie. I mean, if you missed a bunch, your form was off. Like you didn't, yeah. you didn't do it right. You just well, did I not still, solve the question. There is still that deception though too sometimes, right? Because people get to 20 questions and they, they get lucky on a few of them and they're like, well, look, I, 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 I pulled out 15 correct. I pulled out 18 correct or, you know, whatever. And it's like, cool. But how many of those did you not really understand? You kind right. of slipped by. Well, 18 out of 20, right? Like if someone says 15 out of 20, I'm like, that sucks. That's sloppy. What about those five where you vouched for wrong mm-hmm. answers? You know, mm-hmm. but when somebody says 18 out of 20, I can't really say that sucks, but I do, I do say like, Hey, you know, those two that you missed, that indicates that there probably were another two that you got right kind of by accident. Mm-hmm. And we, we really do need to start running the table. Like I, you should be shooting for very close to a hundred percent accuracy on the yeah. questions you attempted. So 19 out of 20, I feel a lot better about that, but like 17 or 18 out of 20, uh, not great. Not like still room for improvement. Yeah. All right. I want to move on. Let's do it. Okay. So we have an email here from Grace. Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. It says, hi, Ben and Nathan, just a friendly suggestion for your next episode. Could you read an example of a good personal statement? I feel like I've heard plenty of bad personal statements, but I'm not sure I've heard a really good one. Just a thought. Thanks. <laughs> Grace. Grace is a current demon student of ours. And, um, I appreciate the question. And I would love to read good personal statements. Yeah. If people would submit them to the show. We do have a good one back somewhere, right? Matt? Well, <laughs> Matt's personal statement is on the show. I think we read it. Yes, you can go back and you can look at Matt Dumont's personal statement and we've had a couple good ones throughout the years of the show. But, you know, mostly what we do is we kind of put people in the queue. By the way, the queue is getting really long. Um, Please think carefully before you submit to help at thinkinglset.com with your personal statement. Um, We don't want to read drafts. We want to read like the best you got because we can give you more constructive feedback if you don't send us things that you know are broken. Like I, I open up some of these documents, Ben, and it's got like underlines and highlights and placeholders for stuff. And like, it's clearly a work in progress. Yeah. I feel like that's a waste of our time. I don't, and a, and a waste of our other listeners time as well. You know, like yeah. send us, get it as close to like, send it to your friends first and then, you know, like get it to where you think you're about to submit it to law schools. And then, then we can talk about it and blow it up and tell you to start over. But don't like, I don't know, just send yeah. us. <laughs> Ideally, a friend who listens to the show or is a fellow demonite because they're going to have a better sense of what to look for. Well, also run it through Grammarly. Keep it to two pages max. Two pages, type double space. When I open them up now and they're three pages, I'm like, nope, cut it to two. It needs to be two pages, type double space. Like, yep. 11 or 12 point font. 
two pages. Don't send us more than two pages. Send us what you're going to submit to law schools. By the way, just to answer Grace's question directly, we do have two model statements. We have Matt's and we have another one. Um, and we're adding that to the personal statement drill tool. Um, it will appear like a reading comp passage, and, but it will be a personal statement and you can read that and see what's I, good about it. We need to get to a place where we have like established standards for for submitting these personal statements to the show. Sure. And it, so it's like, do the drilling tool, the personal yep. statement drilling tool, please, and the demon first, like get, learn about how to write properly, you know, incorporate that if you can. Um, read all of my, the columns, the lessons that I've been writing recently. Mm -hmm. Like don't please consider that advice. Um, you know, there's too far too many of these that I open up and it's like in kindergarten, my mom died of (laughs) leukemia. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. Well, (laughs) one, I don't want to know about kindergarten. And two, why are you like bumming me out with your mom's leukemia death in the very first sentence of your, it's like you're violating multiple of our commandments at once in the very first sentence. It just makes me feel like, well, okay, so you're, you're going to like not really take our advice, but you're going to continue to ask for our advice, which is kind of puzzling. I, anyway, you know what we could do? We could create a personal f- statement form and you have to check like you have to. I yeah. have done X. I'm not, I have done uh, Y. Yeah. I mean, we're relatively lo fi here. You can still just email help at thinking and you're going to get through to me. But at some point, yeah, we might need to have a bit of a like automated Vanguard. Um, wait, mm-hmm. Vanguard? No, gauntlet is the word I was looking for. We need like an automated gauntlet that you have to run before you can submit to the show. And it's like, yeah. yes, I have read the commandments and I, yes, I am talking about my self. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have tried to avoid passive voice, like things that are just so obvious but anyway i think we might have a good one here i hope off the top okay so this is from wendy who um this is the one who she sent this to her lawyer friend and her lawyer friend was like oh my god no wendy you're so much more than all that you can't just tell boring stories from work you need to show them how unique and special you are or whatever and i was like um no i i I disagree just 180 degrees. I'm exactly opposite of your friend's advice. Yeah. Okay. She could be right. We could be wrong. We could be right. Uh, Yeah. We could be right. Wrong. Uh, Let me, let me read it. You got the timer going. Oh, okay. So we're going to say it today. We're going to, we're going to go strictly 10 minutes. Maybe we try to read them a bit long. Yeah. Faster. Sure. Um, and not comment as we go quite as much. I, I, we always try to do that. Okay, I'm ready to hit the 10-minute timer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm a paralegal for a plaintiff asbestos mass tort litigation firm. I draft requests for production and admissions, inter- interrogatories, and meet and confer letters. I also draft motions to compel, to sanction, and to squash or quash. I research, review, I research, review documents, and summarize disposition, depositions. Okay, I, 
this that's the first paragraph. Uh, I like the first sentence. I don't love the forward slash. I also like that Wendy is telling us all these things that she does, but I don't love her like basically summarizing everything so quickly. Like I'd, I'd love to just dive into something more specific. That said, it's very lawyer shit. It makes mm -hmm. it clear that she knows what she's getting herself into. They are mm -hmm. short sentences, easy to read. It's a short first paragraph. There's four sentences there. And I feel like other than that awkward slash thing in the first sentence, right? Plaintiff mm -hmm. asbestos slash mass tort litigation. You can clean that up because it's hard to read. Other than that, I feel like that first paragraph is easy to read. And I'm like, okay, let's hear the second. Let's get to the second paragraph. I think the reader reads that in 30 seconds and they're on to the next thing. And sure. I do think that if they get interrupted at this point, they're like, oh, I have a serious applicant on my desk. Yeah. This person hopefully has a great LSAT score, great GPA. The only question now is... Um, is there anything wrong with their personal statement that would deter us from accepting them? And it's like, uh, no, you're a professional and you know what you're getting into. Oh, I'm done. If I, yeah, if I got interrupted and I couldn't come back to this one, it would be like, admit stamp, admit what else yep. we got. Like that's yep. somebody who absolutely is a lawyer. Like they know what they're doing. They're going to be a lawyer someday. That's a lawyer admitted like is it yes. boring yes yes who gives yawn, a fuck yawn I, boring but so what it's they like want we're worker not bees they don't <laughs> want somebody who's going to be all special and unique in their law school they need another 400 bodies this year and they and want people, people who, who are, are going to get, get a job and practice and law not get overwhelmed right you can have yeah, snowflakes that right. get there and melt because they're like oh yeah. what, like what the hell is going on here this is a lot of yeah. hard shit we're doing okay seven and a half minutes go in asbestos litigation, you meet a client at one of the worst moments of their life. They are diagnosed with meso mesothelioma. Mesothelioma. Yep. And they are dying. You rush to learn about their life, family, and work history in order to prepare and argue their case well. Many cases go to trial after a client dies. Wow. The upsetting fact about this work is not that people die. It is that it is that they die painful and early deaths, which were preventable. I'm proud of the work I do, but the more complex my work becomes, the more I want to take on. I want to affect changes in the law to better compensate people who have been hurt and to better protect people from being hurt. I want to hold companies accountable for harm they have caused and to force those companies to pull harmful products from shelves worldwide. I want to be a civil litigator. I have a couple problems with that paragraph. I didn't love the shift into the second person in the first couple sentences there. I just don't think mm -hmm. it needs to be you meet a client at the worst moment. You yep. rush to learn about their, I don't, don't do that to me. Yep. Um, you could keep it. I, there's no reason why that's not. I meet a client at one of the worst moments of their life. I rush to learn about I, that. Why wouldn't it be I, why does it have to be you? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. I also don't like the, it, a little bit of it is okay, but Wendy goes into much too much about her mental states here about what she, she's proud. She wants to do this. She wants to do that. And it's, to me, it's like, yeah, I, probably could have just imagined all of that honestly 
and I want to hear more about the work that you actually do, which I think she's about to do in the next paragraph. So I feel like it's just kind of too much with these mental state conclusions and she's, it's kind of a waste of space a little bit. A hundred percent. And I, I actually think she can get away with saying, Hey, look, this is something I want to do given her work history. I don't know that she needs to say it, but if she were to say a sentence or maybe two, I would like it. At I the agree. End. I think you can cut that about 50%. All right. Five minutes left. Third paragraph. Go. My research allows attorneys to apply pressure on defendants and prepare for trial. Sometimes it helps determine where the trial happens. In a recent order, a federal judge decided to pierce the pleadings and grant our petition to remand the case to state court. She cited one of the patents that I found as a reason for remand because it demonstrated that a fact finder could determine one of the state court defendants was a professional vendor. In a Pennsylvania case for a retired steelworker dying of, again, I can't say that, we are looking for a connection between a manufacturer and a premise. I found a weak old order from an appellate court in New York re referencing a contract between the parties which established the connection. Um, Wendy, you need a hyphen or a dash there between weak and old, weak old order, because it's two words modifying order. I learned that from Ben. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I almost feel like she's getting too much into the details here. I I, I don't and the case. I I don't know. I would like to to know what she's doing, but this is. I'm getting a little bored. Um, in another case, I found an article which placed a contractor and multiple defendants at a premise during an industrial accident many decades ago. This evidence was a key factor in getting several defendants to settle prior to trial and in getting the remaining defendant to settle during trial. You know, I have to admit, there's part of me that's a little bit bored with all these facts, but it's it's also oddly not a problem. I think at this point I'd be like, okay, okay, whatever. You're familiar with the law. Out. Admit. I don't think I'd keep reading. Yeah. Admit. Yeah. It's like, no, you already won. It's just yeah. an admit. That's it. I think that this paragraph is a little bit long. I noticed long. that it, the whole thing is only four paragraphs. I liked the shorter first paragraph with, by the mm -hmm. way, shorter sentences as well. So I, you know, Wendy, I would go through this and I would look for sentences to cut. Then I would go through it again and look for words to cut. I would consider chopping that third paragraph into two or maybe more paragraphs. I assume the same thing about the last paragraph, which I just glance at it and I see that it's very like kind of wordy. But I mean, if we're making the assumption that they are looking for people who are going to be successful in law, mm -hmm. I read this and I go, there is no fucking way that that's not going to be somebody who ends up successful. Therefore, I, mean, think, I must yeah. admit her. Yeah. Think, think of yourself right now. You're listening to this podcast. What do you, what's your impression of Wendy? Well, we don't know much about her childhood. All we Good. know is that she's... <laughs> Yeah, all we know is that she works at a law firm and she does a lot of shit there that's legally, that's legal. That's it, period. Um, and she deals with hard cases. This isn't, <laughs> these people are dying. Um, she's helping her attorneys win these cases or at least have a better chance at winning them. I see her as a professional. I don't see a kid. 
This isn't a no, kid. No, this is an adult professional person. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, man. If I'm your boss, like if you're on the admissions committee, Ben, and I'm mm-hmm. your boss, mm-hmm. if I find out that you didn't accept this applicant, what what's your justification for that? Oh, yeah. you were bored? You're yeah. bored while you were reading her personal statement because it was so much lawyer shit? Yeah. <laughs> like... Okay, you're fired. Like I, that's it. You're fired, and we're getting somebody else because I can't. I just can't imagine not admitting that applicant. Yeah. One minute left. I'll tell you what I'd honestly do. I'd scan to the end, and okay. I would look at the last few sentences. I'd say, okay, "Do it." Um, okay. A few weeks ago, the same case against the remaining defendant was awarded the biggest verdict of its kind in Reno, Nevada, a historically difficult jurisdiction for plaintiffs. As a civil litigator, my talents and work ethic can be amplified to better serve the people we represent. I'd be like, okay, you didn't go off the rails on some weird like tangent. You stuck to your stuff. You want to be a civil litigator. I get it. Thank you. I'm done. I don't really care about the words or the details. Yeah, already successful doing asbestos, asbestos litigation has a clear path to do more of this kind of work. Like that's somebody who's going to have a job. Yep. That's a winner. And that's exactly 10 minutes. Thank you. The next one is Kirsten's personal statement. You got it. I am the only female arborist at Tamki Tree Experts. Prior to climbing and pruning trees, I taught English in a rural Rwandan village for three years as a Peace Corps volunteer. And that's the first paragraph. Um, Okay. As the first American and Peace Corps volunteer in my village, I made connections with fellow teachers, government officials, and neighbors that helped me identify the needs of my new community. I began with low-tech, low-cost agricultural projects in my village. I taught the teachers at my school English and ran clubs. I held kickboxing classes that focused on self-defense and women's rights and led, that says lead, that needs to be led, Uh, Other projects that focused on AIDS transmission misinformation and on the prevention of malaria. I gave many of my lessons in a mix of English and Kinyarwanda. Okay. Um, Right now, I'm I'm mildly confused about this, like, setup that had to do with her (laughs) as an arborist. I I don't see how that's necessary, but... um, She's trying to follow my... That the the like worst column I ever wrote, the where about the I am, I did, I do. Sure. I feel like that's done more harm than good. Everybody's, you know, I, I meant to give you an idea for how to write it if you had no other clue what to write it, how to do this. But I do, I did find that transition jarring, right? Like I am the only female arborist at Tamki Tree Experts. I'm like, oh, tell me more about that. But then it was like, nope, I'm going to go back to Rwanda and I'm going to tell you about the Peace Corps, a totally different thing, Mm -hmm. which doesn't seem related at all, which just, it's like, okay, maybe this format is not the best format for you to tell your story. Yeah. If you just cut the first sentence in the first part of your second sentence, it would start, I taught English in a rural, rural Rwandan village for three years as a Peace Corps volunteer. I'd be like, Okay. And then you tell uh, then, me more of that story. And it's like, at the end, if you say, after leaving Rwanda, I started working in this other thing. And then you could tell me about the, 
you know, like you don't have to do that thing that I want. <laughs> the only yeah. reason why I wanted you to do that thing is like some people are going to tell a story that like, I don't know who you are or what you do. But the Peace Corps is relatively, I think, self-explanatory. Like you're going to tell me about what you did in Rwanda. Okay, great. Well, I think it also works better. What you talked about then was you said you give us an I am sentence and then you get to go back in time once and then you start telling about what you did. And the assumption there, I think, was that what you did kind of leads to what you are now. And right now, I don't see any connection between. Right. It was like Arborist. unnecessarily jarring to bring up the arborist thing. Yeah when you could have just brought that up at the end of the statement, it wouldn't have been nearly as jarring because we would have, the story just then then would have been entirely chronological, right? Like you're allowed to go back in time once, but that doesn't mean you have to go back in time. Yeah. once. You, <laughs> what I was trying to prevent people from doing is memento style, just jumping forward and backward, you know, through yeah. the timeline a yeah. thousand times. Like, yeah. So again, you are allowed to do it once, but you're not required to do it once. Anyway, six, minutes left. Um, after two years, I began a project to establish a library at my school. I held meetings with fellow teachers and school officials to determine what library rules would be implemented and when students could use the space. Uh, I'm not sure holding meetings is like that interesting of a, yeah, you know, like that's really the your feather in your cap that you held these meetings. I mean, I would, I would, I think, right. I would like more like I decided or with my fellow teachers, we decided. Well, even instead, you're just making held meetings, the verb there, which I don't. Yeah. Well, a funny, a funny word choice here change could, could make a difference and not a big change. You could, instead of saying I held meetings, which makes held like the verb, right? right. Like, oh, it's like, oh, the holding of meetings. Well, what if I just, I met with fellow teachers right. and school officials to, and now we're, it moves us faster into the mm -hmm. sentence and into the to determine, so I can now know why you had those meetings. Um, it's faster, it's it's less emphasis on That's a good edit holding. there. That's a, that's a great edit, yeah. I met with fellow teachers, not I held meetings with fellow teachers. Good. Mm -hmm. All right, I wrote and executed a grant to purchase necessary items. My headmaster and I discussed allocating school funds Oh, to hire a part-time librarian? No, no, no. My headmaster and I allocated school funds to hire a part-time librarian. Yeah. Or my headmaster and I hired a part-time librarian. Not, yep. don't make the discussion the thing. I extended yep. oh, um, two spaces there. Ben, did you catch that? Mm -hmm. Two spaces between those sentences. I extended yep. my time in the Peace Corps to see the proper completion of my project. And because I took the time to involve my school and community, it is still in operation today. As an arborist with Tamki tree experts, I climb trees with a chainsaw. That's two words there. I think it needs to be one word. A chainsaw strapped to my side. My goals are to satisfy the sales representative, satisfy the customer, ensure the safety of my fellow crew members, and to work just as hard, if not harder than the next guy. I don't want to hear about your goals. Right. I want to see you just doing this stuff. Yeah. Instead, just talk about how you satisfy the sales representative. How do you satisfy the customer? What do you do to ensure the safety of your fellow crew members? Um, don't list your goals. In the beginning, my tasks were... Ugh. 
Here's where if you did the personal statement drilling tool, you would see we get these sentences all the time. And so there are there are more than one in the drilling tool and they you would see them and you'd be invited to revise them. And you can al- you can always rewrite these sentences. My tasks were, my role was, my responsibilities included to I did X. Yeah. You just say, well, you replace it with I. Anyway. Yep. I graduated to more difficult work, including roping limbs out of a tree carefully. I think you need to say trees there. Roping limbs out of trees carefully so as not to damage roofs, windows, or objects below. I used my chainsaw, but I thought, what? Wait a minute. I thought that you're a currently an arborist. I'm not sure about the past tense. Anyway, um, I used my chainsaw to cut up branches on the ground and learned how to operate the winch on the chipper. I drove single axle chip trucks, hauling a chipper behind me and backed into, that's two words into, it needs to be one word into driveways. I could have stopped after learning of the, learning any of these ground operations. I did not. Um, Protesting I don't, too much. What's that? Protesting too much. Like, well, oh. Yeah, and it's also like, okay, if you did other shit after that, then let's just get to the shit you did after that. I don't need mm-hmm. all of this like background. Like those are all very menial ta- or not mean. I don't mean to be insulting you, but it's like <laughs> well, you're the one who's shitting on those things, right? You're yeah. the one who's saying, "Well, I could have stopped with that, but I didn't." Okay, good. Yeah. Well, then let's talk about what you did that was so exciting instead of the stuff that you yourself are shitting on. Um I first started climbing Three months after I began working at Tamki Tree Experts, I was slow. I was awkward walking out onto the edges of limbs. It took me 20 minutes to climb 30 to 50 feet. I came home sore and sweaty. I practiced climbing knots during my lunch breaks, and I did push-ups and pull-ups every day. I got better. As I developed my climbing technique, I also began giving more input at work. I was active with suggestions during our daily job briefings. Uh, Dude, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off. I don't want to hear about any of this. I just okay. want to hear more about Peace Corps volunteer work. You you apparently implemented some project. Like, let's unpack that. Talk about why it's still in operation. Not why, but mention that it's still in operation today and just end it. I, I don't, I don't, I guess like, this is almost like a, it's like a marathon or something. Like I trained for a marathon or I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's too bad because picturing her up in the tree is like, makes mm-hmm. me think that she's like a badass. Sure. Unfortunately, it's not like a lawyer type of badass. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, if you're so into climbing these trees, why don't you just keep doing that? Yeah. And yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, scanning now, because we only have 20 seconds left, but at the end of this second to the last paragraph, she's getting into more about the consulting with the sales representative and training new hires. And there might be something there that okay. she could talk yeah. about if she wanted to talk about something sure. more recent, but the physical challenges and the learning how to climb the trees and stuff, it just, it's so like, okay, that's an, ex- it's a perfect example of something that, whoops. Okay, that's the timer. That's a perfect example of something that is unique. But how does it, like, if you got called, if you, you know, like you're thinking, oh, the the tree climbing lady. <laughs> what? I'd much rather hear about a project as part of the Peace Corps. Like, that sounds like the organization skills required. Or this, like you said, the thing at the end here, maybe they're talking about some more business-oriented yeah, I mean, stuff. Even though it was 
you know, a while back, I do think if you left the timeline out of it, you could just write your whole personal statement about the Peace Corps. I agree. If you're going to instead choose to write about the tree stuff, I, I would, I would focus it much more on the management aspects, the customer service, client interactions, training new hires. I would definitely talk about that stuff instead of all of these, like the technicalities, technicalities of climbing the trees. It's like, okay, that's interesting, but it's just not, I don't know. Like it's, it, 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 I walk away from that and I go, well, what the fuck does that have to do with lawyer? I, yeah. I don't, I just, I don't know. Then you're going to have to stretch to make the connection. What do you think about this very last sentence? Thank you mm. for taking the time to read my application. And I look forward to discussing my future nope. opportunities at your school. Cut. I think that's an example of like why you just don't need an ending. It's, it says nothing. No, it's weird too. It's like, okay. <laughs> you can see people reading that and being like, well, you can look forward to discussing my fu your future opportunities at our school, but we're not going to be discussing them with you. So <laughs> yeah, if we already if denied you, then yeah. And thanking for taking the time to read the application. It's just like, it's a waste of space that you could be using to advocate for yourself. Like comparing um, Kirsten to Wendy, Wendy ended with as a civil litigator, here's what I'm going to do. It's like a statement of like, here's what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. And thank you for taking the time or I look forward to discussing is not, it's like, you're not selling yourself. You need to be selling yourself. All right. Ready I would Bianca? say yeah, just really quick, Kirsten, you, you stylistically, it seems like you're on the right path. Your, your style is a lot better than a lot of these statements that we read, but there's still some things you need to fix. And yeah, the content. And that's really the big issue, right? I I would say that Wendy's statement had several errors in there, but the content is, was good. Okay, okay. Bianca's, go for yep. it. Uh, do we want these numbers? Do we care? Well, so the reason why I put them there is because I, I think we have to assume that the person reading this does know their LSAT and GPA. Yeah, they're going to look at those really quickly if, if just to remember, oh, okay. Well, what, it would be absurd kind of... not to. Yeah. <laughs> like you're going to start, starting with the personal statement would be the just like such an inefficient way of uh, analyzing your applications. Because if the person has a 175 and a 3.95, like you better fucking admit that person. Yeah. So you should be reading the personal statement in a different way, right? On the other hand, if they have a 150 and a 3.0 or a 2.5, you're probably not going to admit the person. So you should be reading their personal statement in an entirely different sort of a way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, so anyway, it's a 163 and a 3.64 undergraduate GPA. Also URM, which they might know that as well. Um, anyway, all right, I'm going to start the timer. I sifted through the mail after reviewing my caseload for upcoming court hearings. Come on, Bianca. Really? <laughs> That's the image you want Are us you to see. Are you fucking kidding me? going through mail. You're at, a, you're at a firm or something. Like, let's, let's jump into a different scene. <laughs> like, okay, interruption, phone rings, we have to leave. We got you in the mail room. <laughs> it's, I mean, hey, it's the mail room of a law firm, apparently, so that's good. But it's still the mail room, like mm -hmm. sifting through. Oh, boy, we got to admit Bianca because she sifted through the mail that you're not putting. You need to start with a winner. Like get just. Yeah. That, OK. Anyway, go ahead. 
There was a notice for a young woman from Mexico. What? It's not about you, and I don't understand what a notice is. Well, also, the the I guess the notice is the subject of the sentence, and the verb is was was. So, mm-hmm. like, notice was that just like notice was is basically that sentence. So it's like what you're telling me is that there there is a particular piece of mail that exists and it's about a young woman from mexico i like i i don't even know (laughs) what i'm visualizing right now yeah there was a notice for a young woman from mexico a what i like it's so that you're not telling me it's just not conveying useful information oh dear it continues i could feel a card folded within the paper i i don't care about your tactile yeah right like the drama of the there's a card in there it's like okay what did you fucking do i don't it's too cinematic i bianca i'm sorry like we're not mocking you we we want we believe in you and we know that you can make this better it's not good is what we're saying no okay opening it up i found the u.s cis document approving her daca status is that how you say DACA? And work authorization for the next two years. Oh, I see. This is good news. So she's she's presenting the dramatic opening of the envelope when she got approval for one of her clients. We don't need this dramatic moment, though, Bianca. You, oh. you're, you're like hiding your own win. <laughs> like, like we this is don't a win, know. but you're telling us about it in the ex- most excruciatingly boring possible way. Yeah, and we don't know that you actually are responsible for any of this. Presumably, you are, and you're going to go into that. You but right now, it. the phone rings. I don't know. Your firm did this, and you're the male girl. Great. Right. You got to own this win more thoroughly. It's quickly. It, it's like you have to like you have to be okay with you're the shit. Like, if you're the shit, that's what we want to hear about. We want to hear about how you're the shit. With facts. (laughs) With facts, yes. But, like, you've got to own that win. And here it's like this, you're you're making, like, physical objects the subjects of your sentences. (laughs) Like, it's this, I think, it's this, like, hesitance to just, you know, kind of, like, be a baller and, like, know it. Yeah. I I don't know. Anyway, hopefully we're going to get to the point where she wins. She was trying to illustrate the win, but it's like the wrong set of facts to be illustrating. Yeah. I recall our meeting a few months ago when we completed the application together. Wait a second. I recall in the present tense? <laughs> How about I met? <laughs> and even then, do we want to talk about the meeting that you guys had? How it's about a mental state. Like she's you... telling us about her remembering a meeting. You helped her complete her application. That's what you did. Yeah. She provided me with her identification documents and the necessary information for the deferred action application. That's so boring, Bianca. It's about someone else, too. It's well, what it's... someone else did. <laughs> yeah, she gave me the documents. I I meant to understand that she already was approved. Like, you've, you've like teased me with this idea that you have in your hand her her document that she that she already won but now you're going back to this very boring like here's us filling out the application uh sorry go on 
It's okay. After I asked for a copy of her birth certificate, I glanced over to the expungement document lingering at the corner of my desk. Lingering? Lingering. <laughs> It's like hanging the expungement out documents like kind of hanging out like it's loitering lighting up a cigarette just is kind of like <laughs> <laughs> okay all right we spoke about her desire to work at amazon and continue her college studies which would be possible with valid immigration status unfortunately when she was in her senior year of high school she was convicted of a misdemeanor for drug possession okay now, 11 years and an expungement letter, expungement later, sorry. Now, 11 years and an expungement later, it's a weird construction, her wishes are closer to becoming a reality. Uh, hmm. Okay, well, what do we know about her? We know she works at a law firm and she helps people with immigration stuff. It's not horrible. I, I don't. I, I, I feel like you've missed an opportunity to really show yourself winning, but if the phone rang right now, I'd probably be like, okay, you, you know a little bit about the legal process. You'll probably be okay here. I just hate to, t I, 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 but I also am thinking, but she's not a good writer. She's like, not I, a good writer. I, I, I read that and I just go, oh God, it's like so convoluted. Yeah. It's just, you're not, you, you, I, you you're not telling the story in a plain spoken, like straightforward sort of a mat of a manner. It's all yeah. this weird, like glancing over at the document. What's the document doing? It's lingering on the corner of the desk. <laughs> it, then it's I, like, I think you keep jumping around in the timeline. Like you, you've got the win in your hand. Then you recall a meeting a few months ago and then you where she's go, giving you the documents. Yeah. But then, as I asked for a copy of her birth certificate, I glanced over to the expungement document lingering at the corner of my desk. What? Like, what, what happened? I mean, so, like, what you're telling me is, I don't know, because then, like, you go back again. Like, you go even further to when she was a senior year of high school, which now isn't even about you. And yep. she's convicted of a misdemeanor drug possession. Then we, then we leap all the way forward into the present moment again with now 11 years and an expungement later. But I thought that the expungement was lingering on the corner of your desk when you were getting the documents for her from her, which then doesn't make any sense. So like, it just, it doesn't make sense. I, I don't think that the timeline makes sense. It, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's a weird situation where if you're, the part of me would be like, okay, maybe, um, maybe you kind of are in a place where you could come to law school and succeed, but not excited. I'm not going like door to door pitching this applicant by any means. Nope. Right? Two it's, minutes, Ben. My desire to work in immigration law developed over time in my childhood. Don't oh, want to hear boo. about it. That's almost I like a, I stop reading, right? Like yeah. you're not following. Well, at least I would stop reading because you don't seem to be following our advice. Um, yeah. Anyway, go on, Ben. I accompanied my father on his trips to USCIS uh, for his interviews and immigration court hearings. For his immigra immigration interview with my mother, I'm so confused. I 
what is going on? Yeah. I compiled our family photos, birth certificates, and letters from family members for USCIS to review. So as you're doing immigration work for your parents as a child, I guess, is what I meant to understand from that. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's so strange, too. The immigration interview with my mother. So they were both being interviewed, but it almost sounds like he's interviewing. Exactly. I read that and I was like, wait, your dad works at the USCIS? <laughs> oh, no. As a legal assistant a few years later, I request similar letters from my clients, families and photos of their loved ones to support their application. Okay. And then it's like through this, I discovered the importance of taking on a holistic approach to immigration advocacy. I don't want to hear about what you discovered. That's a mental state. I just want to see you doing it. Um, I'm, I don't know what else to say on this. Yeah, it's then it's clearly it's all mental states. I am committed to assisting my clients. I enjoy encouraging them to whatever. It's like we don't we care what you do and stop with the editorializing about how you feel about it all the time. The next paragraph is like going into problems like with here's how it hard it is for immigrants, which I understand and I feel badly for, but I'm not here to learn about that. Then we get to in 1994, my father was convicted of petty robbery and used a fake name. That is not a point in your favor. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's a point against you, but it's not a point in your favor. Yeah. Also, it's such old shit. That's 27 years ago. I'll read the last four sentences so people can hear at least how not to end your personal statement. Okay. I admire the work I'm involved in, but feel limited in providing additional support to the immigrant community. I will obtain the legal knowledge to polish my client advocacy skills by attending law school. Mm. I'm confident that redacted, like... Insert law school name school here, name. which yeah. don't do that. Don't do that. That law school immigration programs slash clinics will provide me the education to provide quality service yeah. and Boo. put me on the best path to becoming an immigration attorney, Boo. comma, an attorney that shares the li <laughs> lived experiences no. of their clients. Bianca, no. You don't need to sell law school to law schools. You need to sell yourself to yeah. law schools. Bianca, so this is an example. I'm sorry. I thank you for submitting, but this is one that I just don't think you're following uh, hardly any at all of our advice. Yep. Um, I, this is, I, I, we had, we had problems with, um, I think Kirsten, especially Wendy. I, I feel like Wendy's is close to being good to submit. I, I can't imagine not approving Wendy's. Kirsten, I think can kill the tree stuff. Bianca's is like, boy, you're, you're, you're giving me irrelevant stuff about your dad's criminal conviction. It's like nothing but no, nothing but platitudes. I, whoa, I didn't even see this. This is the last sentence of the third or third to the last paragraph. It's the third, third of five paragraphs. The last sentence says past mistakes seep out like blood from a wound semicolon, no matter how much pressure you put to stop the bleeding. It finds its way out. Okay, we're done. Blood metaphor about pain, the pain of immigrants or your father's something or other. Uh, boy, that's not, you're not putting your best foot forward there, Bianca. You need to talk more about your actual work that you do. Leave your family stuff out of it. Leave your personal dramas out of it.
I don't care how you got interested in the law. I care what you do. Yep. We got more. We got to roll. All right, let's do it. I think this is yours, right? Yep. Michael's personal statement. I have sold software and technology solutions to small and medium-sized businesses, SMBs, and enterprise-level firms for four and one-half years. I think you can just say I sell software and technology solutions to small and medium-sized businesses and enterprise-level firms, period. Yep. I don't care how many, like if I wanted to know how long you've been doing this, I could look at your resume. Also this whole SMB's uh, acronym is useless because you never use it again. And even if you were to use it again, please everyone stop using them. Your reader is not in this world. So it's better if you just use the words. Yeah. And just, I sell software and technology solutions to businesses, honestly, yeah. like, because instead you list small and medium sized businesses <laughs> and enterprise level firms. Oh, okay. so you mean businesses like, like generally? Yeah. Okay. I worked for the largest telecommunications provider in the United States, the company. Uh, oh, Whoa. Michael. Yeah. Ben, do you have your buzzer? I do have my buzzer. Okay. I, I don't know if we need to use it just yet, but that's like right there. That's like a boy. If I'm looking for somebody to deny today, your second sentence is not a sentence. That is really bad. That is really bad. There are grammatical mistakes that people make. And I imagine the readers will be somewhat forgiving because they're maybe nuanced or a lot of people make those mistakes. But this is like, you just didn't read the sentence. Yeah. And Michael's not going to get the whole 10 minutes. I'm sorry. We're, we're nope. going to cut this one off. Uh, I would hunt. Okay. okay. So I would hunt for new business daily by calling companies and setting up meetings with C-level executives and key decision makers. I would call to discuss how our technology, our technology solutions could help their companies be more productive and efficient while finding additional revenue sources. I'm stumbling over those sentences, Michael, because just say what you do. Like, why don't we leave this all in the present tense? He started with, I have sold. So he's like, I don't know what the name is for that tense of the verb, but you could have just said, I sell instead of I have sold. Mm-hmm. And then this just bizarre choice, really, of I would hunt for new business daily. I yeah. would call. What do you mean you would? Like, so you don't do that anymore? And even if it is a thing that you used to do, I hunted for new business. I called to discuss. Where are you getting that super tortured construction from? Um... Um, you know, okay. Skimming now. Cause I like, I just, I don't see myself reading every word of this, right? It's like, no, your second well, sentence was broken. I, it's so tortured to get through these sentences too. So it's hard to read it. Yeah. Um, in my first, I'm skipping ahead a couple paragraphs in my first month out of the training, I met with the owner of a landscaping company. I discovered he was having issues with employee productivity since employees were showing up late to jobs, affecting their company's reputation. I proposed a GPS tracking solution 
to remedy that issue by allowing him to monitor driver location remotely in real time and confirm that employees were on the job. I also integrated time card check-in and out, making it easy to track employee hours for payroll purposes. Okay, updating the invoicing. There's some good stuff here. I mean, there's like some, you've, you've done things. It's just the sloppy writing. Hmm. Skipping all the way ahead now. I think there's plenty of good stuff in here. Skipping all the way though to the last paragraph. Uh, as you can see, Based on my experience, I think I would be a strong candidate to make a positive contribution to your law school. My preference would be in transactional law where I'm making deals, not breaking them like litigation. <laughs> oh okay. <my> you know <laughs> what? I am. I'm, I'm fired up. My, my lesson this week is going to be so easy to write because these endings suck. These endings yeah. are fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, they're so bad. I mean, one thing that Michael does here, which is really a, just a major no-no, stop shitting on anything. Just stop shitting on things. I mean, I know that I shit on things professionally, but my job is very different from your job. <laughs> like, You need to present yourself as a focused, happy winner. Yeah. This whole thing of like, I want to do transactional, not I don't want to break deals like litigation. Like you're it's just shitting weird... on half of the legal profession. Well, it's <laughs> such a weird assumption, too. You're assuming that if you're in litigation, you're in the process of breaking contracts. I hate to break it to you, Michael, but the whole point of transactional law is to be forward thinking about litigation. That's the entire point of it. Like if you're yeah. you're like really negotiating a contract, well that contract ain't shit until you actually litigate it. I mean it can be like an agreement among the parties, but you can have an agreement among the parties without even having a contract. The only part the only like legal effect of that contract is if you fucking sue each other. So yeah. <laughs> like don't like this you thinking that there's this big dichotomy between like oh no 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 there's transactional and there's litigation and I want to do transactional like that is one of the biggest red flags for me and you know why because that's exactly what I thought before I went to law school and when I got to law school I was like oh shit I hate this I do not want to do any of this yeah and if you would have asked me, I would have said exactly that. I would have said, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be a litigator. I'm starting law school. I'm a one out. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be a litigator. I want to do transactional law. That's not a good, that's not, a, you shouldn't start law school with that assumption. I don't think. <laughs> As someone who did it, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, it's just so strange too, because half, half of litigation is enforcing contracts, right? So <laughs> you don't separate the two. They're not, yeah. it's not one thing or the other. They're it, both. It's just bizarre. So <laughs> it, and also this whole, like, I think I would be a strong candidate and make a positive contribution well, to your law school. Well, every candidate thinks right. that, yeah, which is I, why they're applying. I saw that the second I opened up your application, like when you applied to my law school, I inferred that you think that you're a good candidate for law school. <laughs> like, I know you, you think. think that by the fact that you applied. Yep. So you don't need to tell me that. Also, the, the, again, with the like very tortured, as you can see. Oh, <laughs> but look what he goes. Look where he goes with it, though. As you can see, based on my experience, I think I would be a strong candidate. Oh, so he's so telling weird. you. He's like, I know, Ben, I know that you can see 
that I, I think, think that I'm a good candidate. Come on, man. <laughs> you gotta okay. like the literal words on the page, right? It's like the actual words that you're using, Michael. What are you saying? <laughs> what? All right. So more of this stuff in the middle where you actually just get down to work, get down to business and start talking about what you yep. did. Next, we're cutting Michael uh, short due to Thank his you. broken second we, sentence. We have to, yeah. Yep. This is from Gary. Go. I'm a patent agent at an AmLaw 50 firm. Okay. Okay, I, I don't love the like name dropping AmLaw It's because 50. I wrote that fucking stupid, I, let's delete, let's redact that, that column that I wrote. Because everybody, they're all trying to do it. They're doing the I am, I did, well, I do. Well, I'm just saying the AMLAW too. You don't like the like, dropping of the AMLAW 50 firm? Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm at, a, I'm at an AMLAW 50 So just firm. I'm a patent agent would be Yeah, fine. like, okay, okay we right. get it. You're good, right? All right, I get it, like, okay. Or at a big firm. I don't even then, like, it's just weird. Okay. I prepare and prosecute domestic and international patent applications directed to technologies in financial software. Directed Ob- to? Can that oh, just dear. be four, maybe? You know, <laughs> I used to teach a class at the USPTO, the uh-huh. uh, United States Patent and Trade Office. Yep. And um, a lot of their writing was super tortured. <laughs> mm. Because I think they, they're in this world where everybody's trying to write so technically to cover as much ground as they can cover or whatever, you know, what I don't know what their goals are. But it, it bleeds over, speaking of blood, it bleeds over into their regular life. And Can we call this episode personal statement torture chamber? <laughs> We've used that word a lot. There's a lot we of have. tortured writing going on here. The bloody por- torture chamber. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so automotive components and consumer products. That's That's the technologies you work on. Great. As a patent agent, my billable hour costs about half as much as an attorney's billable hour. Random fact. Yeah, that's weird. Uh-huh. Because of this, I have spent most of my first two years handling low-budget, flat-fee work, such as preparing office action responses and drafting patent applications. I, it almost seems like you have a grievance. Yeah, stop shitting on your own work. But, okay. <laughs> no one cares. As I became more experienced, my role has become expanded. more experienced. What did I say? Well, you said became because I think became would have been a better choice there. <laughs> Right? Because it's oddly a shift into the present tense. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Well, read it the way he wrote it and then th- see As what- I become more experienced, my role has expanded to Okay, include- so then it's it's not an agreement. So that that's yeah. an error. That's an actual yeah. typo. Okay. Yeah. My role has expanded to include less flat fee work and more patent consult consul- counseling work but but i i kind of like already inferred that from your previous sentence because you were like shitting on the work that you mostly have done dude i don't care about any of this as soon as you start talking about billable hours i'm like what i i I don't get it well get to the work you're excited about dude I think it's coming. I think you're going to tell me about something that you actually think was good work. Sure. But instead you have to like just bore me to death with shit you don't like. And that's the end of the first paragraph. Yeah. Okay. Second paragraph. Six minutes and 30 seconds left. 
Okay, starts with, for example, I don't love that. Mm. For example, earlier this year, I discovered two active granted U.S. patents that could restrict our client's ability to make use, to make, use, or sell one of their products in the United States. Uh, too much legalese, right? Like, you don't need that make, use, or sell. We understand. <laughs> like, restrict, you could have just said, okay? could restrict yeah. our client's business. Product. Yeah. yeah, restrict our client's product, period. That would be much better than the like, what he's doing is he's he's regurgitating the whole legalese of the, you know, the, the, the job. Yeah. This is the problem I was talking about at the beginning. You know, imagine you're talking to your parents, somebody, and explaining what you do. Oh, yeah, I found these patents that kind of inhibit our client's ability to to make stuff and that's a problem you wouldn't say stuff in your personal statement but at least like try to imagine someone who's not in your field it does need to be it, more conversational not like an actual document that you would file <laughs> on you know this is not a legal pleading no okay this was problematic since the product was nearing production and the client had filed a patent application directed to this product just months earlier. Stop saying directed to. <laughs> that must be the terminology Put they use for in their field, or on yeah. or like a much more normal transit or what do they call that? That's preposition. a yeah. preposition. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was asked to review the recently discovered granted patents and determine whether they truly presented an issue. Why don't, why don't you just review them? Yeah, stop with the. I Why was do you asked. need to be asked to review them? You know what's funny about that is people don't realize how it shows you being passive. It shows you being this like, oh, I'm not deciding what to do with my life. Instead, you're being asked yeah, to do. Not things. saying that you actually were passive, by the way, just that you're presenting yourself as passive by that exactly. choice. Yeah. Yep. I presented my findings to the client which included preparing marked up drawings of the product and explaining to the client why the granted claims could be interpreted to read on their product. To, to read. read on their product. That's a term of art, apparently. Um, yeah. Gary, you're too, you're too into your field right now. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the that use of which there? Yeah, that's incorrect. It's modifying client. You're, you're actually need to modify findings. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, I don't, Ben knows the actual rule. I just read that and go, that can't be right. It says I presented my findings to the client comma, which included preparing marked up drawings. But yeah, that, which seems like it's referring to your client, mm -hmm. but it can't be, it has to be referring to your findings. Yeah. So you could have just said my findings included marked up drawings of the product or whatever. I don't know, but just that's a broken. Well, you you like, just fixed his second problem, which is his findings included preparing. Oh yeah. That was drawings. the work you did to so reach really, your findings. Yeah. So this is just wrong. Like that's there's nothing poorly. in this sentence that refers to the preparation. It's and, only the presentation, you know, combined with the typo on become in the first paragraph. Now we're getting to sentences that are just clearly broken. How much patience do we have for grammar? Like for just like incorrect broken sentences? No, I just, but you know, I've been thinking about it as we were reading these statements today, 
oftentimes I feel like you got to get the content right. I'm less concerned about the style and the grammar, although you got to get that right too. I'm now wondering if they're just like two pillars of equal importance because you could have good content and people just can't see what you're trying to say. Like, I feel like Bianca could have a good story, but it's like, I'm so lost in the, the message, the poorly written message that I never see it. So you need them both. Well, lawyers are professional writers. This document is only a page and a half, but it's meant to be like an example of what you're able to produce. Without a time limit. With no time limit, with unlimited help from your friends. Like you've, you've carefully crafted this document to make it as good as you can because you're trying to show the law schools your best self. And it's like, really, that's the best you could come up with is like a typo in the first paragraph and then just like some broken sentences and incorrect usage in the second paragraph. What do you want me to infer from that? Am I expected to infer from that that you're a good writer? Am I, am I expected to infer from that that you're careful? Or am I supposed to infer to the opposite of that, which is that yeah. you're not that good of a writer and that you're not that careful? Yeah. I mean, it's just like you're not putting a spotlight on your best attributes. Like you're, you're, you're making yourself look like a bad writer and a bad advocate and somebody who's not careful. And I like if I have to say yay or nay right now, it's like mm, probably not. Yeah. Okay. So he continues. How much time do we have? 52 seconds. Oh, I was then tasked with drafting both a non-infringement opinion and an invalid, invalid, invalidity, invalidity. Why can't I say these things? Opinion of the discovered granted patents. Okay. Again, you're talking about you being tasked with things, you being asked to do things, just have yourself doing them. For the invalidity opinions, I read through tens of prior art references and selected the three that I believed could be used to invalidate at least some of the granted claims. Okay. There's too many like words about being tasked, being what you think as opposed to just doing. Yeah. I, it can just be, it can just be tightened up. All this stuff I think is good, mm -hmm. but it's just, whoops. That's it. That's 10 minutes for Gary. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I think there's a lot of good here. I think that there are, it's just, it's written poorly. It's hard to read. And so then I, I get like, I get irritated or frustrated with irritated my inability to right understand. Word. Yeah. And so then I, I don't start making positive inferences from that. I, I, I get like, um, I, yeah, you don't want to annoy the reader and this is annoying. Um, it needs to be, yeah, you need to be shorter sentences. It needs to be more direct. Like I did this, I did that. And I, not, I was tasked with, um, since you're going to write about uh, closings, we could add this one really quick. I'm grateful for the guidance and resources afforded to me as a big law patent agent. Don't care. Am, yeah. You're grateful. Am, Who gives a fuck? And I am anxious to step Ew. up as a patent attorney who has the authority and capability to counsel large clients on their intellectual property. A bizarre choice of anxious. And this is, this is a perfect example. We were <laughs> debating this a little bit earlier, but this is a perfect example of a, a, a personal statement that does not in any 
sense of the imagination need a conclusion. Well, oh, you're a patent <laughs> He has already agent. a patent agent. <laughs> like we get, wait, you mean you want to do more of that? But as a lawyer? Oh, no, really? Wow, I never would have imagined that. I thought that you wanted to totally switch gears and become a public defender. And let's let's assume that you did. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, even if you in. did, that would be fine too. We don't need to know that. Like we're already like at patent agent, we basically wanted to admit you. I mean, to be yeah. honest, Gary, as yeah. a patent agent, you are an extremely attractive candidate. Yeah. Uh, like you're you're already working like they know that you're going to be able to continue to be a patent agent while you're in law school. They know that you're going to be like not homeless while you're in their school. And they know that you're going to like probably be able to borrow less money. You're going to be able to be like have a job immediately, like right out of law school. You'll be at least as employable as you are now and definitely more employable. So they they want you more than you think. Um, yeah, cut that ending entirely. Okay. Uh, all right. Next one. Yep. Rebecca. Okay. Oh, this is me. Huh? 10 minutes. I raised my six children and started two businesses, period. Whoa. Um, you know, I, I, I love started two businesses. Yeah. Love that. But like I raised my six children. I don't listen. I'm sure Rebecca, that your children are beautiful. But I don't think that your six children are in any way a positive if I'm considering whether you're going to be successful at my law school. I'm not saying I'm going to hold them against you. But well, if I was going to take your six children into account, which you're the one that led with them, if I was going to take them into account, am I really going to be like, oh, well, she's definitely going to do really well in law school because she has six children? No, I mean, look, raising six children, especially if you do it correctly, is challenging to be sure. But it's weird. It's like raising all these issues, too. You're already an older applicant, right? And now I'm like, is this what you want to do? You want to go to law school? This is You're, you're going to come in here and you're going to... Or you're just failing somewhere else and you've decided to switch gears and try out law school. So by highlighting this, I don't know. I just rather would see you succeeding with your businesses. Also, you said you started two businesses. I... Um, did you, did they fail? Did they succeed? I, I'd like to get into that more and just see her right away as a business owner and succeeding. So I just, she's not, yeah, I, I like, I don't want to see you as a mom. Successful business owner, therefore successful lawyer. Yeah. Is an easy, you know, that's a two foot putt. Six children, therefore successful lawyer. It's not quite as clear, right? It's not a gimme. No, some amazing mothers were never meant to be inside a law firm. Yeah. I mean, and that's vastly more important, by the way, than being a damn lawyer. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I think you can just leave your kids out of it. I don't know why your kids are, why are they here? 
are they applying to my law school? If they're not, then I don't think they need to be in your personal statement. I just don't know what they have to do with anything. This next sentence is strange, uh, too. I, I, don't, I don't know where she's going with this. Yeah. Born in Switzerland, comma, I grew up in Australia and chose to attend a liberal arts college in Southern California. Omit all that. The school you went to is on your resume. It's on your, we have your transcripts from that school. So I don't care. Raised by two classical musicians, I discovered the value of a clear vision and creative process. Ugh, I hate it. I hate that. It's a reference to your mental states. It's like this conclusion about that you you know the value of a clear vision. A creative process, just don't... I don't what? Hmm. What's that have to do with anything? As I'd hammer out tunes on my father's piano as a young girl, he'd quietly say, quote... Let the melody sing. I'm done. You got the buzzer? <laughs> Only the notes which carried the purpose, the intent, and the true beauty of the piece mattered. I choose my direction as it aligns with my vision. Oh boy. My vision is my family, and their success uh. is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Two buzzers. She, Rebecca, we're done. I, like, yeah. I don't want to... I'm not admitting a <laughs> no. young six-year-old playing the piano in her parents living room and, yeah, and now you just double down on your family you're like hey i raised six children i'm a kick-ass mom okay and by the way my vision is my family if your vision your is your family schools? you should not be applying to law school no 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 law school <laughs> law firms want your vision to be them and yeah. them alone <laughs> making money yep doing work being a killer, successful attorney. Yep. You need to be like ego and money and success driven. Not that you would ever say that. You wouldn't say state. that, but that's like what they, <laughs> that's the people who are successful, dude. Like that's the people yeah. who win are the people who are like, oh, I'm a fucking killer. I hate to lose. I am never going to lose. It is my, my only concern in life is that I am going to fucking win. And like you going on about your family and your family's success. Okay, good. Then do not go to law school. Like, it's just not, it's not those two things. I don't know why you think they're compatible, but I don't see them. I'm not saying that you can't be a family person and also be a successful lawyer. You absolutely but can, but it's not the argument you're going to make. It's not the correct argument to make. No. no. Families are detriments to your success. I mean, in the eyes of any reasonable outsider, I'm not saying they're going to actually hold necessarily your family against you, but like someone who has a huge family that is like demanding of their time, that is not the, that's, that's not, that doesn't help you win legal cases. Nope. That keeps you out of the office, not in the office. By the way, I, and I don't know that we're going to need to read any more of this, but I like even if I follow your own metaphor, Rebecca, you brought up your father with the notes, only the notes which carried the purpose, the intent, and the true beauty of the piece mattered. I thought that you were lecturing me about how you have learned the importance of only playing the notes that mattered. Like, I was like, okay, she's going to tie this into like legal something. And like, it's a, cause I get it. You know, it's as important. What you leave out is what you put in only the notes that carried the purpose. Well, well then why the fuck are all these notes in this song? 
because none of these notes have anything to do with like positively moving your case forward for my law school. Yeah. First sentence of the second paragraph says, I chose to be present at home while my children were young. That's amazing. Congratulations yeah, to absolutely. you. That's how all parents should be. But that's an argument against going to law school. It's like, it's also like protesting too much kind of it's this weird like she feels guilty about it she's trying to explain why she's older she's applying now as you don't have to, to explain why you're older they admit plenty of older applicants it's not that's not a point against you so you don't need to defend so much yeah <laughs> we just, if you're a kick-ass older applicant we don't care that you're old so show us kicking ass she goes on to talk about starting an Irish dance business in San Francisco. I think that that stuff could be interesting. Yep. Organizing an event for over 400 guests. Uh, the thing is growing. A tutor started doing tutoring in math, language, and music comprehension. All that stuff is good because now I'm seeing you as this professional person. But then Just start right there. Yeah. Our family moved to Germany with the military and I sought opportunities to continue teaching. I don't know. It's like, it's a little, now it's a little too much play by play with like you're throwing in your entire life. Like we've already been to Switzerland, Australia, Southern California and Germany in yep. just two paragraphs. And oh, and San Francisco, San Francisco and Germany. <laughs> like why are, we're all over the map and I don't, it's like, you're not telling me a compelling, clear story. You need to choose which parts of this to include and which parts not to include. Next she's, thing, you know what she's London. doing? She, sorry, she's like, she said this Germany thing, right? Because she wanted to explain why that business ended. Don't explain it. No one had the question. Just say you did this. And then if you did something different in Germany or whatever, just say, and then when after we moved here, I did this. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Too much protesting. Yeah. Then this whole like global thing, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, San Antonio, Texas. Wow. I also trained and completed certification with catch. Wait, sorry. Catechesis of the good shepherd. A Montessori inspired catechesis program for young children. What is catechesis? I don't, I have no idea what that is. Sounds, Sounds like, like catechism. Yeah, yeah, is it a church thing? I, I coordinate know. instructor meetings, lead facility setup, and teach the program weekly to a large class. Okay, here's the definition. Okay. A re religious instruction given to a person in preparation for Christian baptism or okay, confirmation. Okay, so catechism. Yeah, okay. Typically right. using catechism. Got it. Yeah, all right. Um, last paragraph, since we're on the endings today. That's her 10 minutes, but I choose to pursue law school now as a natural step toward my family's future. doesn't feel like a natural step at all. <laughs> it, really? Like I don't, you've hadn't said one thing here that makes me think that this is a natural step. My goal, listen to this, Ben. My goal is to open an anesthesia practice with my husband when he retires from military service. And we hope to continue to serve veterans in the healthcare field Experience in health and contractual law will be invaluable to the informed development of this endeavor. Oh, that's horrible. Look, if you're not going to practice law, don't do it. 
Um, That's so naive right there. That's a thing that people think a lot like, oh, I don't want to actually practice law, but it's going to be good for my my business that I want to start. No, it's not. The only thing you're going to learn is that you need to hire an actual health lawyer. Like you need yeah, to, and then like, you wasted all that time and money. It's yeah, like you, it's, it's like using like, a tank to to take out a stake in your yard or something. You're like, da, 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 da. it's like completely unnecessary. Yeah. Well, not only that, but that metaphor doesn't even work because it's like, yeah, it's like a tank that also doesn't work because <laughs> you, when you get out of law school, you're not qualified to just start popping off about health and contractual law. <laughs> I mean, you need to go practice in that field for 10 years and then you might have a valid opinion yeah. in health and contractual law. Uh, Rebecca, I believe in you and your husband's business a thousand percent, but you do not need to go to law school to start this business. Nope. You should just start the business and hire lawyers. You can hire people to do this type of shit. If you have Dude. questions, you can hire that work out. You don't need to go spend three years of your life miserably studying all these other areas of law that are, have nothing to do with a business. Yeah. Do you really, <laughs> as you said about the analogy, do, you, do you, Rebecca, do you think people are, your husband's going to turn to you and be like, okay, so given what you learned in law school, which was a bunch of like archaic case law, um, what do you think we should do in this health situation? What would the health law say? You'd be like, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I think we have to wrap up the uh, personal statement torture chamber there. We have two more on the agenda. We, they, they keep coming in, and we do really appreciate all of your submissions. Uh, it's health, uh, sorry, help at thinkinglsat.com if you would like to submit. Um, and just, you know, please do try to follow as much of our advice as possible before. All right. Be LSAT famous. If you want to get on an upcoming show, you can email us at help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, that's our LSAT preparation platform, for lack of a better term. Email help at lsatdemon.com. That was episode 314 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Mm -hmm.